You're listening to the Get Out and Drive podcast with John Custom Car Nerd Meyer and Jason Old Car Guy Car. We'll be bringing you gearheads everything you never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage. Are you ready to get out and drive? Get those cars on the road October 2nd, 2022 to celebrate National Get Out and Drive Day. Visit nationalgetoutanddriveday.com for more info. We're already gearing up for National Get Out and Drive Day this October 2nd, 2022. And to make National Get Out and Drive Day even better this year, we've got the Atlantic Nationals Extravaganza in Moncton, New Brunswick, jumping on board as an ambassador to help us get out and drive. And if you would like to be a National Get Out and Drive Day ambassador as well, just head over to nationalgetoutanddriveday.com and apply now. Welcome back to another episode of Get Out and Drive podcast. My name is Jason Old Car Guy Car. And I am John Custom Car Nerd Meyer. Jason, we're always talking about passing on our wealth of automotive knowledge down to the next generation, right? Absolutely. All of our social media posts, we use the hashtag, what drives youth? Because we want to know, why Why do younger folks care? Why do they want to care uh, about getting into the automotive industry? To a lot of people, this is just a greasy, nasty, old car smell. To some people, kind of a gross and disgusting industry. Well, and just to others, they're they're brought up into it. There's something uh, either right. a family member or a fr- close family friend that's brought them yep. to the scene uh, of cars. That's kind of piqued that interest. Uh, we like to think of it as gasoline running through our veins. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So I know a lot of people grew up and they have mentors to bring them into the hobby, into the industry. And I know we spoke recently with Norman Altizer uh, about his ties uh, with providing vehicles um, for movies. He spoke to us about Jake Wilson, somebody that he said was a person that's in the neighborhood. We we talked to Norman and said, man, this would be cool to talk to this kid, get his perspective on things, um, especially because Norman is his mentor. And uh, and, and I thought it would be great to have uh, have Jake on the show today. So we've definitely got him here with us. How are you, Jake? Very good, sir. How are you? Glad to talk to you today. Well, thank you for having me on. I do quite appreciate it. Now, how do you know, how do you know Mr. Altizer? Well, sir, uh, I joined my local uh, AACA group and by chance he happened to be in it. And one day he saw me sitting in the back of a meeting and said, Hey, Jake, do you want to do some work on a old rusty Ford? And I said, yes. Do you have a vehicle of your own? Yes, sir. I have a 1971 Ford F100 with a 302 V8 and a C4 automatic transmission, two-tone boxwood and seafoam green. That's awesome. You got to love a two-tone 70s pickup truck. Yes, sir. <laughs> so earlier before we went uh, and started recording, you said uh, one of the neat things I thought was pretty cool is you named your truck. Yes, sir. Uh, her name is Lola after my dearly departed great-grandmother. That's awesome. Uh, as most of you, our listeners know, I have a YouTube channel and every vehicle that I have on my channel, I name as well. What is it that leads you into this truck? Why is this particular truck so special to you? Well, uh, when I was first starting to get around 15, 16, around the age that I could start driving, I began to drive my dad's 2001 Toyota Tundra. Now it's simple. It's ridiculously reliable as all Toyotas are, but 
I'd always had a love of antique cars. I was into steam cars for a while in the early 1910s. I then slowly evolved into Model Ts and other more high-class vehicles of the 20s. And then that sort of evolved into this sort of redneck love of pickup trucks, which, I mean, I'm in the South, so I kind of have to by law. <laughs> I see that. I, and it's and it's one of the things that if you don't have a vehicle without wheels on it, the local uh, HOA will supply one for you. Yes, sir. <laughs> nice. <laughs> definitely, definitely good. What kind of mentally led you to be interested in older vehicles? Because I, I, I ask that because a person that's 18, 17, 18 years old is out of the norm for being interested in those vintage vehicles because you have no direct uh, mental connection to it. Yes, sir. Well, I had for a very long time, a love of steam trains. It was something since I had a really little kid. I've always loved them. That by proxy led into a love of early steam cars from the early 1900s to 1910s. And I was absolutely obsessed with them. Well, I then had a chance encounter with a gentleman by name of uh, Bruce A. Elder. He ran a antique automobile dealership, well, a business in uh, Stanton, Virginia. And he happened to have this amazing collection of early 1900s, 1910s, all the way up through 50s, 60s, 70s, pretty much any kind of car you could think of he had in his shop. And he gave me a tour of the shop and actually gave me a book on steam cars. And that sort of evolved more and more into a love of just normal gas automobiles. Jake, now I'm not trying to give away anybody's age. We've already established you're 18 years old. But when when I was a kid um, at your age, I was brought up into the love of cars because my dad was a car guy. Uh, my dad was in the car business as a transmission mechanic. And John's not that much older than I am. But growing up as kids, it was like, if you were a boy, you know, hunting, fishing, and cars was just kind of your thing. So I know that we're, we're kind of all about the car show, but uh, what else over and above this car do you do that might be outside the norm as an 18-year-old today? Well, I'd say probably my association with the AACA, obviously, as well as uh, I am an Eagle Scout. So I just completed all of my scouting career, which is a huge help to me. I've also volunteered at my local church. I do a lot of uh, a lot of construction work with them. I've done tin roofing. I've done a lot of manual labor in that sort of regard. I can see the way you carry yourself that you are different than most other 18-year-olds that I've run into. I, I see that quite a lot. And I think that has to do with having been an Eagle Scout. It's important. And some people think it will, but it won't. Uh, will or won't, um, I think it will get you further in getting a job. When you can put on your resume that you were an Eagle Scout and you graduated, went through that program and listened to everything that you're supposed to do, did the manual labor, you know, aren't afraid of dirt and that type of thing. I think that's going to help further you and get you a bigger jump starting in a career, whatever path you decide to go down. Um, I think as an employer myself, I would look to hiring someone who has been an Eagle Scout more so than other people who did not go through the, through the Scout program. Sir, well, it has been a great help for me. It's taught me a lot about endurance, about resolution, about forcing yourself to do things, even if they're not fun. But 
also has taught me a lot of good things like how to start a fire and how to not die in the woods. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. And that and that makes you stand out um, because if if you're getting into the workforce and and as an employer, I ask you to take the trash out, you're not going to look at me and go, oh, God, you know, be silly. You're going to say this is part of my job and this is what I'm going to do with no questions asked. And that's important. And I'm and I'm and I applaud you for going through that and finishing. Well, thank you. Yeah, and like one of our recent guests as well, we had AJ Ware uh, on one of our podcasts, and he's a former Marine. I shouldn't say former Marine because once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. Uh, and that was some of the things that he talked about too, moving forward into his career, was that uh, what he learned there helped him move forward and and gain respect and and uh, an accomplishments where he's where he's at today. What is it that you aspire to do? As you move on uh, your career, you're getting ready to get out of high school, I can assume. Uh, you must have some career plans. What do you plan on doing once you're done? Well, currently the plan is uh, to attend the Virginia Military Institute out in Lexington, Virginia. I've just recently received a full ride scholarship for my all four years. I'm planning to study mechanical engineering and hopefully get into the automotive industry. Congratulations. That is, yes, that's absolutely. a big feat. Well, thank you. I'm pretty excited to hear that because um, I too started as a young fellow in the, in the Army cadets. I never did pursue a career in the armed forces or anything like that, but learning that stuff helped uh, help me move forward in life. Uh, I think that joining the Army and being a part of that is going to further you uh, that way. Um, as a car guy, moving forward, what do you see this mechanical engineering or being in the automotive in industry? Where do you see that fitting into you, your hobby uh, as a car guy? Well, hopefully it'll allow me a better opportunity to understand the mechanics of behind an automobile to better, most likely rest, restore them or just do regular maintenance. One of my long-term goals, if it, if the Lord wills would be to uh, start my own heavy equipment and diesel shop. Nice. One thing it's one of the most profitable industries around because Truckers, you know, they need to truck things. And if they're not, they're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. And two, it's one of the only uh, hands-on mechanical things that anyone can make any money out of anymore. Yeah, that's that's exactly true. And and I'm glad to see you kind of give me a little bit of spark, a little bit of light shed on the the <laughs> younger folks that are going to say that they actually know where they're going. I, I don't want to get off on the tangent that every every kid's staring at a uh, at an iPhone and walking around like a zombie. You know, you actually give me hope that there's a few out there that are willing to build the corner office. Well, I've been told that a lot. Funnily enough, I'm considered the old man of the group because I actually will look people in the eye and have a conversation with them. <laughs> that's that's great to hear. Uh, that's and and I'm sure you hear it a lot from others. That's rare. And, uh, and and thank you for that. You know, Jason, we sure get to talk a lot. Yes, and some of us more than others. Who, me? I'm not pointing any fingers. Yes, you are. But we want to hear from our listeners. Just go to our website, getoutanddrive.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the listener hotline button. We want to hear from you. Cool stories, breakdown stories. Questions, comments. Hate mail. Even hate mail? Even hate mail. You got a car show in your area? Let us know. Tell us an interesting story. Let us know what you like to get out and drive.
does your does your brain kind of work as a car guy? Are you bouncing things off of the uh, older guys in AACA club and kind of saying, hey, I'm interested in this. And what do you think about this? Because it's the best thing to do. And I say this a 100 times to learn with your mouth shut and absorb information from elders, from people that were were there uh in in days gone by and that did a task and and had a problem on the roadside and they fixed it with a wire tie and, and an old screw that they found on the highway that's important things to learn because when you're blowing down the road with a car and 19 airbags and everything in it and you can't hear anything because it has triple sealed doors you don't get the road feel you don't get what's happening like you do in a vintage car you don't feel the road as much with the steering wheel I think a lot of younger folks are disconnected from the way a vintage car makes the road feel to a driver, and I think they get lost. And, and I think driving an old car is something that a lot of younger folks should do because it makes them a better driver. Do you oh, see definitely. that, or how do you feel about that? Well, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, I hate it that every day I'll look by and see people in, I mean, Toyota Corollas, which are fine cars, but they're just they're not interesting in whatsoever. Even, I mean, the most interesting cars right now, the Porsches and all that, are trying to imitate their former glory, which they've seen 30, 40, 50 years ago. And there's something about an old car when you sit down and you smell the, the vinyl and you smell the 87 non-ethanol and you're cruising down the road with both the windows down because you don't have air conditioning with the smoker windows open. There's just something that makes it's just a pleasant sensation that I just can't describe. It's a driving feeling. And being in the automotive industry has given me the ability to drive all sorts of different cars. And we've spoken about this for quite a lot on our show. A car will tell you how it needs to be driven. You'll drive a gasser 55 Chevrolet two-door post different than you'll drive a six-cylinder three-speed on the column 55 Chevrolet two-door post. And it's the exact same car to the layman any different than a brand new Porsche will drive completely different than a fifties MG MGTD. And, and, and you will feel different as a person driving those vehicles. And it's hard for me to explain, and I'll let you explain how you feel about it. How and why do you care about this appliance that gets you from point A to point B to break it down like that? Why do you care about cars? What drives you? What's your spark? I would just say the people around me, and I've always had a love of history. And when people around me started introducing me to automobiles, that gave me an even better appreciation for history, as well as just the enjoyment of simple things. In my opinion, there's nothing better than to be a clear, sunny day, to me to get in my truck, just cruise along town and just say hi to everybody, like pretend to be a farmer for from 1971 for a minute. And just relax, listen to my golden oldies, sit back on the big vinyl vinyl bench seat, smell the gasoline, and just enjoy the day. Those simple pleasures that we just don't get with a new car. And two, I think you've mentioned this before, but older cars are different in how you drive them. In my opinion, they have more personality. I've seen highly tuned Porsche 911s and things like that from the 60s and 70s that are very finicky. They are very precise, but when you drive them just a certain way, they will just sing and have more performance than you can ever imagine. With my truck, she likes to go to the speed limit. That's what she does. 
some days she has good days where she'll run even better. Some days she'll have bad days where she doesn't want to run at all. And it's more like having an interaction with a person, like shaking hands with an old friend, rather than getting into your washing machine and expecting it to work. John, talk about your guests with an old soul. We're talking to an 18-year-old man here today uh, about his car and his passion for cars. And if you didn't know better, you'd swear you were talking to somebody our age who has been around the industry, who has been around the block a time or two. It's so great to see that youth and you in particular, Jake, taking such an interest in the cars we all share the same passion with. Uh, there's not a word that you just spoke that I didn't disagree with because I feel the same way at my age. I'm sure John does as well that, you know, once you get behind the wheel of that, you know, that pre um, we talked about earlier, the, the pre safety uh, even aspect of a car, you know, cars were made to, you know, get you from point A to point B uh, trucks were primarily what you said, farm trucks. They were just made to haul hay or, or whatever it happened to be. And, People don't get that. If you're not a car person, whether you're a guy or a gal, if you don't get it, you'll never understand. And chances are, you're probably just not even listening to us right now. But the idea is, if you've got it, you've got it, Jake. I see and I hear in your voice and your experience at such a young age uh, that you've got what it takes to be a car guy. I want to know a little bit about your relation, your relationship with Norman Altizer, who we've had on the show a little while back. Um, he's what brought you to us. So tell me a little bit about your relationship with him and how he experiences uh, or how your experience with him kind of feeds that passion for your love of cars. I met Norman Altizer through my local antique automobile group. And one day he needed a little bit of extra help in his shop and he happened to live right down the road from me. So he said, Hey Jake, I need a uh, some help with some brake work on a 76 uh, Super Beetle. Would you be interested in helping? And I said, sure, why not? So I went on down to my dad's Tundra. It got greasy, obviously. You know, The moment you touch anything underneath the car, your hands magically turn black, and then you have an itch on your face, so you have to pee. I learned <laughs> that very quick. Well, then I started doing brake work on this miserable little Super Beetle. It had rust holes that Fred Flintstone would like to stop with. And well, the, the funny thing was with this old uh, VW, the exhaust had completely rusted off. It was just a hole. It was completely open headers. So it sounded like a Camaro going up the street. It was absolutely hysterical. <laughs> but from that, those experiences, those good memories, I had a love of working on cars just because, well, for one thing, older cars are simpler and you can work on them. And two, having that knowledge of doing, you know, two-second repairs, it, it comes in handy. It seems so simple, but it, it makes for good memories. It makes for the ability to survive. And, and I believe that very well because we love breakdown stories uh, on our show. We always talk about survival on the side of the road, taking a piece of uh, plastic or something off of a telephone pole and fixing a fuel line with it and things like that. Have you done anything like that with your truck? Have you done any immediate roadside repairs? Well, thankfully, I haven't had any breakdowns as of yet. The only major problem I had with my truck was uh, the original starter from 1971 finally gave out. So I obviously called Mr. Norm up and I said, hey, I, I don't know what's going on. He came over and two seconds later, we figured out it was the starter. So then he said, well, 
uh, you and your dad can just fix it in the driveway. It'll just take two seconds. Mm-hmm. Well, it did take two seconds, except I ripped my hand open in the driveway, but it, it was fun. I got it done and it showed me that I could do a lot more with my truck than I realized. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. Is, uh, is Norm, uh, Norman been relying on you more and more because he sees something in you? Does he see that you are respectful and see somebody that you can count on? Is he asking you more and more to work on vehicles with him? Unfortunately, Mr. Norm doesn't deal with a lot of projects on a daily basis. We're not a high volume shop, but I have definitely been pulled into more and more tasks. Uh, Actually, I had the great honor of he had a 1947 Ford Flathead V8 out of an F1 truck that we're hot rotting up. We've put, what is it? New crankshaft, new camshaft, different forge lifters, uh, new valves, forge pistons, a twin Edelbrock setup. It, it's basically what the early 50, early to mid 50s hot riders would have done. And it was the absolute joy to work on because... I'd be sitting there adjusting valves with an old wrench and a screwdriver to get the lifters up and just sitting there having the time of my life. Though it didn't come without my battle scars. <laughs> I was uh, I was adjusting valves on this uh, flathead engine. And if you know anything about flatheads, you know, they don't or they're not like overhead uh, overhead valve engines. They are actually right. internal. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is in the V of the engine is, well, you can actually just mess with the valves. So I was uh, adjusting some of the valves because we needed to get the tolerances down to 10 thousandths of an inch. And I had this old shop light with a tin uh, shroud on it sitting in uh, on top of the V of the engine to give me some light so I could actually see what I was doing. While I was sitting there, my arm was up in the air. Uh, my screwdriver was picking up the uh, lifter so I could adjust it. And I put my hand down on that tin shroud. And, well, he might not be able to see it on camera, but there's a little, <laughs> that's not a birthmark. <laughs> Yeah, I became Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Fried Jake there for a while. But yes. It was fun. And those are the things you learn not to do twice. Yes. You you <laughs> learn how it is. And, and there's so many people that I talk to that have not taken a transmission out of a vehicle and laid it on their chest and had to crawl out from underneath the car or a truck. It's amazing to finally talk to someone that is your age that has not only the want to, but a complete drive. And you're going to go and do this stupidity again and again. And, and that's amazing. Yes, sir. Jason, you like cruising around the internet, just uh, searching for projects that you don't need. You do that? I do. It's probably my second job. It is your second job. I know I get smacked all the time because I've got plenty of projects and, uh, I, I, I secretly still look for things other than the things that are in my driveway. What's wrong with us? I don't know. It's definitely a sickness, but, uh, you know, one of my favorite places to visit is racingjunk.com. I go there a lot. I probably shouldn't, but I go there a lot. It's it's like uh, a little, little secret hideout. I get really good deals there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I'm saying this on the podcast. I'm going to let out the secret, but... I'm, I'm getting much better deals there than I am on uh, a lot of other websites. Yeah, and not only can you buy and get good deals, but you can also sell your own junk and put money right in your pocket. Yeah, that's right. They don't charge any transaction fees. Just 100% of what I make through my ad, I keep. Absolutely. So 
If your wife is at you to clean out your garage for spring, you can post all your junk on racingjunk.com. Wow. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to stop talking now. I'm going to head out to the garage and uh, I'll, I'll probably be back in a little bit, but I'm going to head out and clean up some stuff. I know I've got a ton of stuff to sell. Start making money today. Get out in racingjunk.com. Sell your stuff. Get money. Stick it in your pocket. And it wouldn't it wouldn't be a exercise or a uh, it wouldn't be a work project without blood, uh, a dirty rag, and some electrical tape. You know, you, you you're going to cut yourself, you're going to hurt yourself, and you don't want to get cleaned up just to go inside and and look after the blood. No, you're going to you know you're going to carry on. Oh yeah, and, you yes. know, Those are those are our battle scars that we talk about, and uh, <laughs> you know, good on you for for remembering that exact time when that happened. Yes. I, I remember the first time I ate a greasy ham sandwich. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the the I, grease adds flavor, don't you know? It does. It does. And the, and ever to everyone out there, the blue Loctite tastes better than the red. Mm. I'm, a blue, <laughs> I'm a blue Loctite guy. I love the blue Loctite. Everybody's red pill, blue pill. Yeah. yeah. Blue Loctite. Oh yeah. <laughs> like how I learned that uh, bearing grease tastes better on sandwich. Yes, it does. It does. It is so much better. And you just put it on there like some peanut butter. It's fine. Oh, Fill yeah. a donut with it. I mean, oh, it's goodness. really tasty. Also, too, uh, beware of the green coolant because that one doesn't taste so great. No, the green coolant? No. Just make lemonade out of it. It stretches really far. Oh, yes. It'll be, it'll be <laughs> fine. It'll be fine. Actually, I think this is a time where we put the uh, disclaimer in here for anyone listening. Do not drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, do not drink the the coolant aid. Coolant aid. Coolant aid. I have a good story behind that one. Uh, I was working on this. Was it? It was a '63 Rambler American, miserable little '60s car, Mm -hmm. flat six that was designed in probably 1952 because AMC had no money. Well. Uh, we had just it had been sitting for about 20 years and Mr. Norm and I had finally got it to run relatively decently. He told me to jump in the car to fire it up. Let's see how it idled for a while. So I jump in, I turn the key and I let it uh, I start getting it up. Well, it's running fine. I'm all excited to see one of my first revivals actually come to life. And two seconds later, all I see is white smoke. Well, I. Uh, open the door and jump out to try to find a fire extinguisher because I figured an electrical fire or something had happened. Well, turns out we hadn't adjusted one of the hose clamps on the bottom of the radiator properly and it started building up air and just pop out. Well, guess who was stuck cleaning it up? So I was down there. I was uh, about to readjust the uh, fitting on it and I just got a nice big couple drops in my mouth. It was it was real fun when I started feeling loopy for two hours after. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've, I, I have done that siphoning diesel fuel, siphoning gasoline, siphoning all sorts of things that you should not ingest. It's, it's sadly part of the job. Um, but it's, uh, it's fun. Nonetheless, I know you say you had a 1971 Ford truck. Yes, sir. Uh, are you interested in any other vehicles in particular? Well, I would say my my view on cars has changed a lot. When I was really new in the hobby, I was absolutely uh, enamored with 1910s and 1920s cars. 
you know, the simplicity, the elegance, like the old Rolls Royces or the uh, Duesenbergs of the uh, late 20s and early 30s. I then started to shift more and more into the 60s. And that's when I discovered my love of trucks. Currently, I'm absolutely enamored with F100s, probably, well, pretty much all F100s, as well as C10 pickups, Dodge pickups, pretty much anything that has a bed and is four-wheel drive, I like. I also love, uh, what is it, the Willis CJ2As. That's probably the next one on my list if I had to choose. Very, very cool. And uh, just uh, maybe Jason knows this. Do you know what AMC stands for? And it's not American Motors. Then no, I do not know what it stands for. It stands all, for all makes combined. I was going to say, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you look at an AMC and it has a Chrysler ignition key and a GM column and a Ford wiring harness, and you wonder what has happened. Oh yeah, it. Well, heck, I mean, even in the what in the '80s, the AMC Eagle that was just an entire amalgamation of anything AMC could get their hands on. I, I think Maybe. the only thing worse than the, than to me, like put together, just slap together stuff other than an American Motors car in the 70s was a checker cab. Ah, oh, man, I've I've seen and worked on a few checkered cabs. And and you wonder, why does this thing have a Chevette steering wheel? And then Gosh. you drive it and you realize why <laughs> <laughs> it is a terrible machine. Yeah. Terrible, terrible, terrible. I got to repeat myself. I think it's absolutely great that we get to talk to an 18-year-old man here that uh, sounds like we've been talking to somebody who's got 20 years experience on them. Jake, I know you have a lot of interest in uh, older cars. Do you have uh, younger guys and girls uh, that are your age that you, uh, you hang out with that have older cars or an interest in older cars as well? Oh, yes, sir. Definitely. Uh, I have a small group of friends at my school. We're all obsessed with old cars and pickup trucks. Uh, we'll talk cars all day. I got a buddy that has a old 51 F1 rotting out. Well, no, 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 49 F1 pickup that's rotting out in the field that he's been meaning to pot rot up. I also actually have a girl in about my age in my AACA group that's very into cars. It was a 2014 Toyota Tundra lifted, rock crawl, all the all the modifications. And then another buddy of mine has a 66 Ford Fairlane. His dad uh, is a mechanic, so he's always been kind of into cars. He's got a 66 Fairlane that they're throwing a new engine into that he's been hot riding up with his dad and that hopefully should be done pretty soon, actually. So I talk a lot about cars to a lot of the younger folk. Unfortunately, we just don't get out to like car shows and stuff like that. Nice. Well, that's always fun to have people to hang out with and go uh, go to car shows with and and kind of talk cars and uh, kind of share share information about uh, what you think on how this affects you. And and do you guys ever talk about the fact that you're in a AACA crowd and you're like the youngest ones there? I've definitely made a few jokes about it. I'm usually uh, I'm walking around and the next person youngest uh it's probably like 45 50 but it, it's it's a great experience and i definitely highly recommend it for anybody who's hoping to join an aaca group if i have to say anything it is buy old tools go to garage sales go to flea markets go to swap meets go to things i have a lot of tools that i cherish that have a mechanic's name on it 
other than mine. Mostly because I'm a thief. <laughs> um, somewhere somebody's looking for the wrench I have. Um, but if you hold that wrench, you know that it's 30s, 40s, 50s. You see that wrench. That's something that someone repaired a car with, repaired a tractor with, repaired things with. They made a living with that. They fixed things. They got food on the table. That's a big deal to me to see that person's name on something. Uh, it's just a weird energy. And, mm -hmm. and, and I can sit in a car and Jason and I have spoken about this quite a lot. All cars smell different. I open books and I smell books. I smell tools. I smell cars, vintage cars. When you restore a vintage car, it doesn't smell like an original car again. And you can't get that smell back. That's all that I have to say is somebody that's kind of been through this situation a lot. Buy old tools. Well, actually, I've been uh, I'm really blessed. Uh, my great my grandfather on my uh, dad's side, unfortunately, he passed away right about the time I was born. But he was a huge he wasn't a mechanic, but he had millions and millions of tools. He could fix anything. And thankfully, I was able to inherit a lot of his tools. So I know exactly how you feel when you you look at that wrench and you see those initials and you know, hey, you know, this guy worked for a living. He knew what he was doing. As for the smell, I know exactly what you're feeling. Uh, my truck is actually all original. She's never been touched since 1971. And when you get in and you smell the, you smell that old vinyl, you smell the, the old transistors and the old wires going through there. You just have that connection with people that you don't really get. That that's true. Have you uh, been in older vehicles and you can tell that a Dodge smells like a Dodge from the 70s, and that you a 60s Volkswagen smells like a 60s Volkswagen and, and why have you, you you've experienced that oh yeah uh, particularly with Volkswagen because that's what mainly what we work on but yeah you can tell the difference between uh, some of the lower class ones some of the upper class ones I've been in a couple Ford products and I can always tell you know this is not as expensive as this one and this one is a little bit different you know yeah I've 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 seen that quite a lot sitting in mid 60s uh, GM cars uh, my brother-in-law has a 64 olds uh, 98 two-door and I can sit in that vehicle and it smells amazing and it's an old musty thing but it smells amazing and 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 I I know somebody's going to rip my idea off but I I'm, I want to make you know car scent you know hanging off the rearview mirror that says this is a vintage Chevrolet and it smells like a vintage Chevrolet oh yeah uh, I, I I will do that soon so <laughs> You got to patent that before somebody steals yeah, no it. No more new car smell. So if one of our listeners is out there that makes uh, makes car fragrances or makes fragrances and they want to contact me, I can make little uh, little hanging scented trees in the shape of a C10 that smells like a C10. So if we're if we are giving out advice, Jake, uh, John gave you the advice of, you know, collect old tools. And you said you had some. If I was going to give you some advice, it's going to be simply this. As a young fellow, never pass up an opportunity to talk to somebody um, about cars, no matter what age they are. Obviously, if they're older, the more stories they're going to have, because someone who is of, say, my grandfather's age or John's father's age or whatever, uh, are going to have different stories than John and I, and certainly different stories than you. Uh, there's so much history to be told uh, with every single vehicle that was ever built that is ever still driving today. Uh, you can see over my shoulder, my 79 Chrysler Cordoba. When I pull into a car show, people gather around that thing and they've all got a story about mom, dad, aunt, uncle, friend, 
somebody who had one of those cars and take the time to listen to those stories. You're going to gain an awful lot of information and an awful lot of knowledge from people who have been there and done that. Oh, well, yes, sir. I've actually already started to get that with the few times I've been out to car shows in my truck. I heard one story actually from uh, Mr. Norm. Uh, early on when I was looking for a truck, uh, my father and I had an agreement that if I found it, we would talk about it and figure out a decent price for both of us. Well, he was so concerned about safety because, you know, I'm an 18 year old kid. I'm going to try to drift around corners and, or something like that. Well, uh, he was always worried about brakes because these old trucks, most of them don't have disc brakes. Well, my boss, Mr. Norm, was able to put that to rest uh, with a story about how him and his, uh, I think it was his uncle, uh, had a truck just like mine, except it was two-tone Bermuda blue and Wimbledon white instead of my, uh, the greens. Mm-hmm. And they went down a hill with uh, probably three-quarter ton of hay over the cab and just stepped on the brakes the entire time, and they were able to get down no problem. Well, that's... That's good. Yeah. <laughs> have you uh, have you seen a lot of the the Chevy uh, the square body Chevrolet commercials where they're they've got other trucks stacked on top of them and they're driving up the hills? Oh yeah, or oh, like that old Ford commercial from '84 where they had a uh, what was it? It was a C10 in the bed and uh, towing a Dodge pickup up a gravel road. Yes, that is exactly correct. If you look up on YouTube and things, uh, all the commercial, the power war commercials and things, uh, in the seventies, those were wacky, just oh, wacky commercials. Yeah. It was like that old ad with a C20 towing a 747. Yes. Yes. Well, that's exactly it's, true. It's funny too, because in 93, I think when Dodge come out with what's now coined as the second gen, uh, <laughs> didn't they drop one of those things from like a like a huge crane or something like that. And it just come down and it just bounced on the ground for a second. Oh yeah. If you look really, really close through the windshield, you can almost see the dash cracking when they do that. Yes, Seth is exactly <laughs> right. I was at ground zero working at a Dodge dealer when that truck dropped. Wow. And it was, it was crazy because we had to go out and we had to, because it was a new vehicle, I had to go out and get customer training on this brand new Dodge truck. And we had these other square trucks that looked like they were from the seventies and the 94s came out and it was just, it was amazing change an absolutely oh, yeah. amazing change. Yeah. It was, it was groundbreaking for, for trucks in general at that time. Oh goodness. Well, heck in the late eighties and early nineties, the evolution of trucks was just absolutely amazing. They went from these sort of boxy utilitarian, you know, man, you know, grandpa's truck, to something what we see more of the modern pickups. For instance, in the 1990s, uh, the new Chevys, uh, the uh, what is it? the uh, CK series, they actually came out with the extended cab, which was Chevy never really did that. Nope. And that sort of revolutionized what we thought as a pickup truck because now you had a little bit extra space in the back. So if you had a young family, well, you might be able to, you know, put Junior in the back while you go out and drive. And two, with the uh, popularity of crew cab pickups, that slowly kind of transitioned into what we see today. We're now a new F-250, 2500 Chevy or a 2500 Dodge, well, Ram now, which Mm -hmm. makes sense to me. They're they're now, you know, everyday vehicles that, you know, heck, you see, uh, you know, women going out with their kids just in this huge truck. They don't need it, but it's now the new SUV. That is exactly true. 
And, and, and I see that quite a lot. And that's like exactly what you said. The turning point was 1991 for everything past that is, is different with the CK, the way the body fit and the way the cab was constructed and the way everything worked and GM laid everything out. It immediately made the previous model years look like an antique. Oh, goodness. You can actually see that even more with Dodge because yes. the transformation from the the W series to the second gens and then the third gens mm-hmm. was absolutely astonishing. I mean, heck, you look at a 91 uh, Dodge W250 Cummins truck, it looks like it's from 1981. Yes. But when you look at a second gen, it looks like it's from, you know, 99, uh, 01 or something like that. That it was ahead of its time for for that type of situation and and i'm glad that you see this and and you hone in on that and the things that changed because we spoke about this previously a moment in time we spoke about it with aj Ware. i was i was there uh at working in a dodge dealer during the neon launch Ooh, i was icar yeah i was there uh for the for the second gen dodge pickup launch i had to go to training for a neon to explain, uh, you know, color infused bumpers to a customer and, and, and how they're going to last forever. And they only lasted six months. And, and I had to go through all of this type of stuff. And, and I was there at that time. And, and all I thought was it was a Tuesday. And I did not realize that 30 years later, I was going to be here explaining these cars to you. And I was there. It was just my job. It was just my work. And now I have all that information stuck uselessly in my brain. And now I'm transferring on to you. And now you're, you have more useless information. Yeah. (laughs) I've actually heard a lot of that from, you know, the old mechanics. They'll, they'll look at, actually, I've seen a lot of people, uh, particularly older people, they'll look at my truck and they're like, oh, it's a, it's another truck. I used to work on those all the time. That's usually what I get. And it's just amazing to see that sort of transfer of information where people, you know, it's a shame to see a lot of the older folks saying, you know, oh, they don't care. Uh, these younger kids, they don't care. We do. We really do. And when you have a, a vehicle like that or any sort of older vehicle, particularly when you're my age, you really crave the older people to tell you what you need to know because you can't look up, you know, how to tune a carburetor on the side of the road from YouTube. While YouTube is nice, you can't learn that sort of tactile stuff when you're sitting at home on a laptop. That's exactly right. And, and like I kind of gave you advice previously, tune in and go to that quote unquote old guy that's sitting in his chair by himself behind the same Mustang that he's owned since 1977. He can explain to you about what car he traded that for, where he's been, what car he gave up to be married, uh, all sorts of different things that you can, you can kind of gain that knowledge He's sitting by himself. He's aching to speak with you. But if you just walk by and go, eh, and keep on going, he probably won't seek you out and speak with you because of your age. But if you go up and say, hi, I know your car. I see your car. Uh, These are really neat. And this is why I think this is like this. You'll have a friend for life. Sometimes bad because they talk forever. You'll gain the most incredible information from these folks. Well, trust me, I, I, I've dealt with worse than you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've, I mean, heck, it was my short time being into cars. I've heard some amazing stories. I was at a, uh, 
Concourse de Elegance event, you know, uh, out at the Greenbrier Hotel. And I met this couple that had this 1967 uh, Shelby GT500 Mustang. And it was amazing to hear how they traded their uh, 1965 Mustang to get this and actually drag raced it in period up until the early 70s and just sticked on, kept this beautiful car just throughout the, you know, 40, 50 years. And it was just amazing to see that sort of commitment to a car. It's it's great to see that type of stuff because uh, in in our industry, I call it used to haves because I I drove an Edsel station wagon for quite a while. And it was it take me half an hour to put gas in it because I would be putting fuel in the car and I'd hear, yep. And the guy would come up and he'd, he'd talk to me and he'd tell me how he took his family across country in an Edsel. But it was amazing to listen to these guys and listen to the stories. And, and it, it's fun. And it has to be that way driving your truck because people don't realize someone you're, they don't think it's real when they see someone your age is going to be driving that truck. Oh, Do you goodness. see that a lot? Do you see the people? Oh, yes. They're surprised you drive that? It's amazing to see. Uh, I'll go down to my local gas station. Well, the only one in my area that has 87 on ethanol because carburetor. Right. And and I'll I'll park it for two seconds. And then magically a 66 F100 four by four will show up and then a square body and then another square body. And then someone will be like, hey, I had one of those back in 78. Oh, yeah, I, I love that truck. It was the best thing of my life. And then somebody will start throwing numbers around and then I'll peel out of there. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that's that's fun. That's fun stuff. Jake, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to hear some of your stories. Uh, you don't get to do that very often, John, when you're talking to an 18-year-old kid who shows any interest in cars at all. Not only does he have an interest, he has knowledge, and he's willing to share that with us. And I appreciate you taking this time, uh, Jake, and uh, you know for, for being here tonight, being able to tell us a little bit about what you're up to. Uh, a little bit about your truck, a little bit what you're doing in the future. Thank you so much for being a part of the Get Out and Drive podcast. Great stuff, Jake. Oh, of course. Well, thank you all again for letting me on. It's a huge honor. Hey, John, remember when we were kids, they had that little device that you pulled a cord on, it landed on a fire mantle and made like a moo or a cluck? Oh, the CNC. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if they had something like that for cars? Dude, I think they do. It's, no got, way. Got, no, No, seriously, I got one right here. That sounds like a Viper. It is a Viper. You want to know what a Mustang sounds like? And no screams. No, no screams. You can't hear the crowd at all. Where would you get a book like that? This is this book that we have is called What Cars Say, written by Rachel Alfonso. Uh, presented by Exotic Car Hacks. You can go to our website, getoutanddrive.com, and pick up a copy of your own. I'm going to head right over there right now. I think that's a fantastic idea. This is a great gift for kids or even adult children like myself. (laughs) This is fantastic. Teaches kids about cars, um, has uh, a really good story, and it tells about all the cars. And again, my favorite thing, this one here. Ooh, definitely Rolls Royce. It is a Rolls Royce because you step on the throttle pedal and it costs you money every time. This is fantastic. 
I think it's time to update my Christmas list. Definitely. Go to getoutanddrive.com, get your copy of What Cars Say. You know, Jason, I know you're new to the Get Out and Drive podcast. Don't you have something else on YouTube, like every Thursday? Yeah, we have a podcast-style live stream that happens on YouTube called the Car Guy and Six Fan Show. It's myself and Grant Tommy, who goes by Straight Six Fan on YouTube, and we talk a lot about cars, only it's live. If you're not getting enough on the Get Out and Drive podcast, you can head over to the Car Guy and Six Fan Show every Thursday evening at 7 o'clock Central. It's a collaborative effort between myself and Straight Six Fan. So it alternates from my YouTube channel to his every Thursday night. I've been there. It's cool. That's where all the cool guys hang out. It sure is. And we look forward to seeing you again. Are you looking for more action-packed car content? Head over to YouTube for the Car Guy and Six Fan Show on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Find a link in the show notes and let them know you heard about it from the Get Out and Drive podcast. Speed over to our friends at RacingJunk.com and sign up for a Pro Club membership. Use the code GETOUT to receive a discount when you sign up for a Pro Club membership. Cruise on over to our website, GetOutAndDrive.com, for all the info you never wanted to know about our podcast. Hit us up on our listener hotline, be the first to know what's happening, get industry news, and grab your Get Out and Drive merch. Connect with us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Follow us on Twitter at Get Out and Drive Pod. What drives you? you?